0: Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Muslim Vibe podcast. I am your host Haseeb Rizvi and today I'm joined by Amna Mirza from the Zakat Foundation of America. Zakat Foundation is one of the largest Muslim charities in the United States and they have recently launched a new campaign around sponsoring orphan children. And this campaign challenges the idea and the way we kind of go about uh, sponsoring orphan children, which can sometimes be a bit judgmental subconsciously. So if you're looking at, if you're going through pictures, for example, on a charity's website, you might make judgments against the way the child looks, um, their gender, their age, their ethnicity, Uh, where they're from so on and so forth so many factors that can sometimes subconsciously mean that some children never end up getting sponsored which is obviously a tragedy so this campaign um, with a very kind of like uh, well made uh, campaign video challenges the idea about swiping left and right Um, and uh, they've introduced a new algorithm which pairs donors up to orphan children uh, in a much more um, helpful way let's say um, which I think is quite uh, an amazing achievement. So we speak a bit about the campaign. Uh, we also speak about Amna's journey into marketing for a Muslim charity and, and kind of like what that was like for her as a woman um, and, and someone who's kind of like pursued a career in marketing and then going from working in mainstream brands to a Muslim organisation. And she shares some uh, amazing advice for young Muslim women who might be interested in starting a career in branding and marketing. So without further ado, we're going to jump straight into the podcast. Uh, here's my conversation with Amna. We've been working together through Zakat Foundation and the Muslim Life for a while, uh, but I don't think you've ever made it to the podcast. No,
1: this is my first podcast, actually.
0: Wait, it's actually your yeah, first time doing a podcast? Totally. <laughs> That's crazy. Marshall, you do you do so much amazing work. Uh, so I'm actually quite surprised this is your first podcast. Hopefully, hopefully uh, you, you'll enjoy the experience. Yeah,
1: I'm the kind um, who stays in the background. I love, uh, I do the strategy, I do all the kind of execution with the team and love to see it out in the world, but I'm very kind of uh, shy in terms, of, what do they call it? I'm an introverted extrovert.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a similar way actually. So when I had to kind of uh, take over from Salim on the podcast, I was dreading <laughs> it the most, like everything else is fine. But like yeah, being out there, putting your face out there and then like I have the displeasure of like designing these thumbnails but i've got to actually choose like the perfect frame for myself and it's just like oh please <laughs> i don't want to do this well, you, uh, you is, give yourself is, some yeah, more credit we're trying we're trying so um i'm not um i just wanted to uh speak a little bit about yourself and and your role as a card foundation it's a good place to actually maybe uh, introduce the card foundation to our listeners so that they know the, the organization yeah yeah
1: so I am the Chief Marketing Officer for Zakat Foundation of America is our mm-hmm. official name, but, uh, terms of endearment is Zakat Foundation. So we are a nonprofit 501c3 humanitarian aid organization, a Muslim run charity, uh, but we're a charity that serves all of humanity, which is something that we're really, you know, proud of. We've been around for 20 years. We are the leader really in empowering lives through the use of Zakat. And I think one of the first organizations that really strategically moved ahead to mobilize and um, create this social change through the power of Zakat and uh, Islamic giving. And so we have nine uh, key pillar programs, water, food, orphan care. Um, We're based out of Chicago uh, suburbs and uh, I have a small but mighty team and uh, we do really all the marketing, advertising, promotion, digital, uh, social stuff. And it comes out of a team of just um, superheroes really that you want to use their power to create this social change in the world through the power of Islamic giving.
0: One of the things that struck me, uh, obviously we've worked together um, uh, through the Muslim Vibe, uh, the team are a really, really lovely bunch.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, they're, they're awesome. Like it's, um, it's really important to me, um, to have a team who feels the work from the inside out. And, uh, I think nothing speaks to that more than, uh, we're down two people in our department right now to really key roles, a director of marketing, uh, and, uh, a marketing manager. And I've gone through dozens and dozens of applicants and, I'm really waiting for that, like, je ne sais quoi, that connection, um, because I feel like this work is really challenging, right? Um, you know, in your years of working for and with Muslim organizations, it's not the easiest <laughs> place to work. But beyond that, um, we do some really important, critical life-saving work. And our job is to pull the most compelling stories be it photos or videos from the field or these testimonials from our beneficiaries, and then try to get it out to the public. And there are days I found myself, you know, crying, looking through photos and just right. um, it's so it's deep work. It's challenging work. There has to be a spiritual connection, not necessarily faith-based, but um, a connection, um, to the work that we do that's rooted in our prophetic tradition. And so the team is really cool. I'm proud of them.
0: Yeah, I think like uh, you just touched on something, which is quite interesting, isn't it? When it comes to doing marketing work for uh, Muslim organizations, but in particular, when it comes to work for charities, you, there's so much to be mindful of, right? Because you can kind of get lost in the numbers and the metrics and, you know, try to think about engagement. And, you know, I've, I've had times in the past where, and then God forgive me, it's, it's, it's so kind of like, you know, you just feel so kind of like morally conflicted at times mm. where you're trying to create like a thumbnail or, or something that, you know, people are going to click on and, and then you're kind of stuck between a choice of like, you know, here's a picture of like a child smiling, you know, and happy, or, you know, you, you choose a picture of a child that's kind of like, you know, in distress and crying. And just the other day, actually, I was, I was actually designing something um, for, for, for a charity. And, like, I was just selecting between like three images of like supposedly orphan, orphan children, mm-hmm. right? And and it just struck me. It's just like, this could easily be like my daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as in, it's the same age. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for me, it's just kind of like a stock image that I'm trying to use. Yeah. Um, and, and it really made me like pause for a moment. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you kind of like manage that kind of process of, of marketing for a charity? Yeah, I
1: just got shivers because, um, I can relate to that experience you had. Um, and I think a lot of our you know, fellow comrades in marketing and branding go through this, uh, especially when you're working in nonprofits or um, a humanitarian um, aid organization. So in the beginning, it was really hard. It was, I remember even um, texting a sheikh, asking for a dua to help ease my um, distress because, it's challenging to think like, gosh, this is a world that we live in, and that could have really easily been me, uh, my daughter, and I think as a daughter of immigrants, right, my parents uh, immigrated from Pakistan to Canada, um, and alhamdulillah, even when they were in Pakistan, they, you know, th- they had resources, but uh, that's just my kismet, right, that's my destiny, that's what's written for me, but it's by no uh, other reason, you know, I could have easily been me, so uh, how do you Deal with that. Uh, I have two little girls, uh, six and seven year old, mashallah. And, um, they see the work that I do because, you know, we're all working from home. And there was times that we were all at home. And, you know, my, my, my older daughter, my seven year old now, eight year old would run up and say, What are you doing? And oh, is that kid? Is that a sad kid? Why are they sad? And what uh, I still remember most, um, vividly is, uh, we were working on a back to school campaign for kids in Gaza. And, um, we had this beautiful girl, you know, sweater, backpack, and she had a book. And these are real photos because we actually have officers in the field. And luckily, we don't have to rely uh, as much on stock images, you know. So we have these real, our, our content from the field. And, um, she's holding a book. And my daughter is like, you know, why is she smiling? She doesn't have any shoes on. And um, mm-hmm. in her background was just rubble, destroyed buildings, right? The pe- the kids of Palestine and Gaza, like this is what their reality is. And for her, it was like this moment of like, oh my God, how can this girl be happy and smiling to go to school when she doesn't have shoes on? So it was an opportunity for me to like work with her. And I feel really blessed that at a young age, I can teach them that there is this whole world that exists that you don't get to know living in California, that, you know, kids don't have Nikes and Adidas and they don't have two different backpacks and how it, what is our role as Muslims? So, you know, um, I've learned to just kind of deal with it that way, but it's also good to reflect and it's good to have those moments of weakness and really check our, um, our privilege and our blessings and, um, how are we thankful to, the, for, for that? Uh, so, you know, all in all it's, it, I wouldn't choose any different line of work.
0: No, for sure. I'm going to have a brief understanding of, uh, your journey myself personally. Yeah. Uh, but I find it quite fascinating as well. So you, you said you were born and raised in Canada. Is yeah. That correct? Yeah. So you've ended up in California. Yes. Um, So so just tell us a little bit about that journey and how you've, you know, your career in terms of moving from there and and, and ending up at Saqqah's Foundation.
1: Sure. Um, You know, uh, I, a daughter of immigrants, um, five kids, you know, mashallah, um, middle child, (laughs) was really, uh, you know, uh, very uh, independent, strong-minded. And my father, even though he was a very, um, mashallah, you know, he's passed now, uh, but he a strict Pakistani father, very religious, uh, heavily involved in the Tablighi Jama'at. And, uh, but he had this, there's no compulsion in Islam. And he let us, all kids, you know, um, have the freedom to do what we wanted to do, go to school, just keeping the faith and the principles in mind, right? And 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 practicing, and um. So I grad I went to college and I wanted to move to New York City and I was going to work at a PR firm. And at the time, I was working at uh, fleischmann Hillard, one of the top PR firms in the world, in Ottawa, Canada, and I was. On my way to go to New York. And, um, then time came for me to get married. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, handel, uh, got married and moved to the U.S. and have been in uh, the Bay Area on and off now for about 18 years. And, um, I started, I graduated in psychology, started at a PR firm worked with really amazing, powerful, brilliant women at the time who were central to my growth. So within a few months I got promoted and then promoted again. And then when I moved to the US, I joined uh, a healthcare care company, but I was in the brand and marketing team and worked with a brilliant uh, vice president of marketing there who really turned the organization around in terms of like, what does a brand mean? And I just started to geek out on it and loved all of the brand strategy. And so um, while I was at Blue Shield of California as the company, I was, you know, I grew a lot there, four or five promotions in the course of four years and um, left the job as the head of the creative studio, which managed the brand uh, strategy, creative briefs, all kind of content creation, Uh, moved to DC for a little bit to follow my husband as he pursued his PhD and joined um, amazing uh, companies, Sirius XM, worked on some really cool shows there. um, Oprah Winfrey show, uh, Howard Stern show, uh, NFL network, and then left there, went to PBS, and I was the associate director of, uh, brand strategy at PBS and worked with all the member stations, um, pre-kids. So now I appreciate the Daniel Tiger and the stuff that I worked on there. I wish, uh, I had, you know, little ones when I was doing that. And then, you know, long, long story short, after circling through a bunch of different orgs, I just felt like, um, I wasn't really doing anything. There was something missing. Even when I was at PBS, it was this amazing organization, right? Voice for the Underrepresented through media. But I didn't really feel that. I didn't really feel like there was people who looked like me making decisions, even the creative decisions. You know, you're making these promos for this documentary about whatever minority community and most of the people working on the shows are making the decision where. Men, um, or white women. And so I felt a disconnect there. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, I had, uh, my, my, my daughters and I felt like I wanted to take a break and, um, got pulled into, um, you know, just a conversation with a, another Muslim organization, a big, uh, big one here in the Bay and probably, I think, uh, around the USA, Tuna College went in to help them consult on something and it ended up being offering offered the job as the head of marketing and I felt like wow this is my calling. Like I get to bring my Muslim um faith and um my power of marketing to do good. And I think that was the start for me. Um and that led me to Zakat Foundation and uh, I consult with a few other Muslim orgs but uh, for me Zakat Foundation is really kind of that um that thing that was pulling me that I couldn't figure out what to do, how to leave my mark, how to do good, make my children proud, my dad proud. And um, it's this work that we do day in and day out at Sakat Foundation that, um, you know, um, fulfills me.
0: I'm glad to hear that. And and it's always interesting for me to ask that question about people's journey and how they've ended up in the the position that they're in, right? So like last two podcasts we've had, uh, Marshall, just amazing guys, that have essentially like started up their own uh one of them started up like Muslim organization which is like um which I guess surveys Muslim opinions mm-hmm. and, and thoughts on various things so it's called Muslim census and uh another one is uh the other guy was uh, Abdurrahman from Pillars okay. and they've started a, a yeah. prayer app yeah. right um and it's just always for me it's just like a fascinating part of everyone is like they've, there's, everyone has like an amazing journey and and you know Allah just kind of puts us in these positions where we're just like randomly here. Right. Um, Even for me, it's like, I always look at there's, there's moments where like, I'll be standing at like a beach or a mountain here in California. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm I'm just some guy from East London from like the slums. And it's just like, God just took me from one place Mm -hmm. to another, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, everything subhanallah works out as best as it is meant yeah to.
1: And it's not random not, you know it's not random no, i mean it's really no, like no i think it's really power of dua actually i'm writing a blog for tmv inshallah to come soon <laughs> on uh, an article on the power of dua right and how it changes destiny i mean really and i think the power of you know a mother's dua tied with that child's intention that Allah knows most from your mm-hmm. deeper inner, mm-hmm. you know, um, those connected, it's very powerful, and that's what kind of creates this path for you uh, that you you know um, you are where you are on this pristine beach, thousands of miles from East London, you know, reflecting on the course. Uh, so alhamdulillah.
0: That's amazing. Um, I'm not, um, and I'm looking forward to that article, actually. Uh, just, it seems like a very now good I have one. to get it to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm wondering if you had any like specific advice for like a young Muslim woman looking to, uh, you know, have a career in marketing and branding um, and whether you would advise the same route that you took, which is to kind of go down like the more mainstream mm-hmm. Avenue of working with these big brands, um and then and then eventually finding yourself a muslim organization where you're where aligns more with your values um or would you say you know go straight into working with a muslim organization
1: wow um i don't know that there's a right answer to that i think it really varies for the person um i am I would love to hear from any of your listeners or um, followers if they want advice or help, Um, you know, they can really reach out to me anytime I do that a lot and I am getting more and more, you know, these amazing strong girls really in my mind reaching out to me saying, you know, how do I get into marketing is the question. And, um, I have, you know, a few pieces of advice. One is if it's something and you're in college and you still feel like, you feel like marketing or branding is really something that attracts you to try your hardest to get an internship, uh, unpaid, even if it's a volunteer thing, if your college doesn't offer credits for internships, but you need to do something in that field. Even if it's like my first, first job at Fleischmann Hillard was answering the phone for three months I was a receptionist uh, answering the phone and it was um, you know I knew that I could prove myself and grow so uh, I think that that's really important I also feel like the trajectory I took serves served me the best because I did all those jobs that I now am directing people to do so we're short two people right but I know how to do a PowerPoint presentation. I know how to go in and quickly edit something. Uh, I know how to do a procurement report to get an invoice processed. Uh, And those are life skills that I feel like really help build your career and make you a stronger asset as you grow up, you know, move up the ranks. I though I think though if you have a calling and you know that you want to be with an organization that aligns with your faith or your principles, that you should seek that out at all costs. You know, we're a connected universe now, so social media, you know, LinkedIn, cold messages, cold emails, it one of them will hit and one of them will, will stick. And um I am thankful for having joined multi-million dollar organizations first with huge brands because they really taught me how important that management of that brand is. Like imagine, you know, I worked on um, uh, Anthony Bourdain, the late Anthony Bourdain show at the Travel Channel. Imagine his brand and mismanaging that. Never. It could never happen. And so you learn these things when you're with big organizations that have the people, uh, the professionals and the process. And you learn um, how important these things are in marketing communications. And then you take that learning and you're able to go to a smaller shop and bring those learnings there. I think if I had started in a small shop and went um, into a Muslim org, i think that the trajectory or the growth or the success of the marketing communications department would probably be flat because you don't have the kind of things that you know you're you learn while working with these multimillion dollar brands or seeking out that knowledge on your own and, you know, one of my biggest frustrations is working with, um, Muslim orgs. Um, and it's probably the same, not just for Muslim, but I would say for startups that, um, have very little budget or people who have a great idea, but they're, it's hard for them to execute is like we sell ourselves short on the things that are really important, like marketing, branding, all, All of that is important. From um, the programs are important, of course. The work that we do is important, but telling the story is just as important. And I think if more organizations invest in marketing communications, high quality strategic work, they'll see the return on it for sure. And we're also dealing with people, right, who are more savvy. So our consumers like know what to. But they'll compare you to you know, the, for us, the Red Cross, you know, and say, well, they have this campaign, and they mobilized so quickly, and you guys didn't. And um, so we have to do the very best that we can. So if anybody wants, to, I know I went off a little bit there on the advice part, but um, I'm sure we can, you know, share my, um, it's just it's amna at sakat.org, email me and, um, I'll do my very best to, to, to help. You know, I want to see girls who look like me, who look like my daughter, daughters, um, succeed and do this kind of non-traditional, um, not a lawyer, not a doctor <laughs> job.
0: <laughs> and I appreciate the advice and I think it was, it was excellent advice. I'm not, um, so we're just going to kind of fast forward. So Amna, you've, you're the head of marketing for Zagat Foundation. And and recently, you guys have uh, launched a campaign um, for orphan children. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to tell me a little bit about that because, and I'm going to try, whilst you're kind of explaining the campaign a little bit, I'm going to try and bring it up on my screen. Yeah. Uh, because I was quite, quite taken aback by the, the kind of approach that you've taken for this Thank one.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and I'd love for you to be able to maybe share a link um, to the video because I think it's really compelling and, um, you know, it tells a story really quickly. But I joined Sakat Foundation and um, I really had this visceral reaction to the way that not just our organization, but many organizations, Muslim and non-Muslim, m- dealed with orphan sponsorship, which is you look through a bunch of pictures, you pick the kid that looks write to you and you sponsor them and um, it felt like conditional love and it felt like why do you need to see a picture of a kid before you make a decision to sponsor it especially as a Muslim right um, there's no difference in reward between sponsoring a girl or a boy or, or caring for an orphan child um, who is from Africa an orphan child from Syria um, and our data kind of showed us that um Younger girls were sponsored at a higher rate than boys, and the older boys from African countries actually were left uh, longer in our database. And so, um, our executive director uh, Halil Demir um, and I worked on this approach, and you know he was really supportive and felt like it was the right thing to do. So we have removed um, a photo selection from our entire process to sponsor orphans. And we have removed almost all filters when selecting a child to sponsor. And we now give the donor the option to just a boy or a girl where most needed. And mashallah, we found that um, a majority of the sponsorships coming in, people are choosing that um, that filter where we're most needed and we built an algorithm as well on our end that allows um, the child who has been waiting the longest is the number one um, and and where most needed is uh, supported and I felt like it almost felt like we're getting engrossed in this culture of like swipe left swipe right and the touched up photos and you know the highly highly edited clips it it's so, it feels so fake. And I felt like there's no room for that. You know, when you're promoting a beauty brand, that's different, but when you're in a humanitarian organization and you're trying to literally ch- save a child's life, there's no room for these filters. And so we launched, soft launched the campaign um, in the end of November. It's been out in the market for a little bit now, and we've seen overwhelming positive response from our donors. We were scared because, you know, some older donors maybe who are used to coming and making it, seeing a child and selecting that child. And I'm not saying that everyone came in with this bias, right? But it can be unconscious, right, at times. And so um, we were worried that they wouldn't react well to the change and would want to see a photo before they sponsor the child. But alhamdulillah, like the goodness in people is what shines through. and we've not had any, you know, negative feedback, you know, on it. And so as soon as you sponsor a child, you do get their photo, you get their profile, you learn about them, you understand where they, what their situation is. It just, as we felt like that as a filter before you sponsor a child, it just felt wrong.
0: No, I agree. And uh, you know, like something that has often bothered me about like, where you know the Muslim community's approach to charity can sometimes be so selective, you know, um, sometimes even racist. To be able to, oh, absolutely, um,
1: like we would we'd be lying, right, if we said that that wasn't there. Um, and our data kind of showed us that maybe it was there. You know, um, sorry, but yeah, I, I think it's t- totally fair to say that.
0: Since I've have, had my little girl, uh, alhamdulillah for her, you know, little things that I guess before you'd kind of overlook, you start thinking about a lot more, right? Um, and there's, there's like one um, charity in the UK who, who I'm a big fan of, um, and I did some consultation work for them. And one of the things that I really liked about um, their approach to um, uh, you know sponsoring orphans and that's what they're entirely dedicated to was they were very, very much insistent on using pictures of children who were happy and mm-hmm. smiling and never using pictures of, of children in distress as a way to kind of get you to, to donate, right? Um, and I found that like a very fresh approach because in, in my time of, of helping, uh, you know, working with Muslim charities and organizations, that's kind of like immediately the first picture that they want you to use. And I understand why, like, obviously, I, like I've seen the data as well. I know that people are more likely to click on a, a picture of, a, you know, a young orphan that's crying and, you know, yeah. disheveled um but again it comes back to the earlier point in uh, in what we were discussing is like you know where do we draw the line right how do we find that balance ourselves as marketers and brand strategy people Um, and then i
1: feel like there's also like a a higher burden that we have or you know mm -hmm. is that we have to like think of you know the prophets and um our tradition and what the right thing to do is through that lens and um and you know to be brave to go in that direction and do it even if the metrics say don't support it <laughs> or the KPIs mm-hmm. at the end of the day don't support it if it's the right thing to do inshallah like you know that the reward will be there
0: yeah no I hear that I hear that how do you feel about the idea that maybe because of like the you know technology and, and, and the way things have moved our connection with giving charity has, you know, lost its essence. Now it's just like we're, we're tapping on our phone um, as opposed to, you know, actually caring for someone, right? Like actually going out of our way to to provide food for an yeah. orphan or, you know, even like support someone who's homeless. Yes. It's, it's become a bit disconnected. Like how, how do you feel about yeah.
1: that? It's something I think about a lot. I um, I also, you know, I think also how easy it is to donate <clears throat> And it just it is like a one click, you know, and that even that connection is gone because we've you know even limited that interaction because we know the data, we know that you have you know three seconds to have first interaction and within second seconds a second. Um, I think it's really important from like a, fa- a family level or from an individual level to bring um, you know alhamdulillah like. You know, our religion, Zakat, is built into it, right? But to really understand what it means um, to give charity. And there's different ways in our faith that we could do that. But this can apply to someone who's, you know, not Muslim is to give annually a percentage of your wealth that you promise to yourself. If you don't believe in any sort of, you know, um, uh, uh, rule or guidance there to promise that you're going to do it every year to make it really purposeful. And to do it regularly, right? We know that um, small acts done regularly in our faith, right, tells us is, is more liked. And so do it regularly. It will change the way that you personally look at charity and giving. And I say that because, you know, yes, you could do a one big moment of like, you know, 2.5% of my wealth for the year I'm going to give. Or you can say, in addition to that, every month I'm going to give or every and, mm-hmm. uh, use the smaller amounts to give to your community where you live, like the homeless person on the street. It's not your duty to understand what they're going to do with it. We often feel like we have to be this like moral police and well, they give money. Yeah. Are they going to use it for what? You know, that's between them and God. Your actions between you and God. And so you do that because that will make you feel a certain way and will help you in a different, in a different way. Um, I also think that getting kids involved or yourself if you're young and you're listening to this and um, volunteering is really important and there's so many organizations, but especially um, you know, organizations like we we thrive and rely on our volunteers to come help us pack food boxes. We do the work like uh, it's one of my favorite things about Zakat Foundation is that uh, we've always done the work like from the, the first day. And we have our offices and our people on the ground. So we're not just like a third party who's sending money and getting that thing done there. We're actually doing the work. So giving away meals, um, we had this amazing food distribution with DoorDash in Ramadan last Ramadan, and everyone was like fasting. And then you're giving a, this amazing food away to people who are not Muslim, who are just in need. And it was different than your typical like iftar or whatever it was. This was like food going to people who really needed in the most underserved communities, and um, it was super cool. So I think volunteering is really a good way to connect yourself to charity and giving.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm just looking at your website right now, actually, for the different like volunteering options that yeah. you have, Masha. It seems like there's a lot
1: that's going on. Yeah, there's a, there's a good uh, amount. And and down the they're all safe, COVID safe. So, you know, we try very best to, to do that. But, um, you know, these events now are needed more than ever to help the people who are still struggling with the pandemic and just to have ends meet.
0: And is volunteer something that you think is uh, like, are are more people volunteering? How's the trend looking? Is it going up? Is it down? Is it stable?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, we have our hotspots where we have established a good volunteer set and they come out. You know, Marshall, North Carolina is one of our most amazing uh, areas in terms of volunteer outreach engagement. Delaware, uh, Bay Area, we're new ish here, but. I will say that I am, anytime we put out the call, we always have a response. So, Alhamdulillah, like our goal is to get 40 volunteers and we have, you know, 20 show up. But what's really impressive is they're, you're getting younger and younger. And it makes Mm. me feel really optimistic for the future generation. You know, um, when I was, 18, 17, I wasn't volunteering, you know, when I was 21, I wasn't volunteering. <laughs> and these kids are coming out and, uh, and really spending their day, you know, w- doing this work. So I'm, I'm really optimistic that inshallah, you know, it'll continue to grow It's steady, and we'll see some new faces anytime we ask, at least people are there to answer their call.
0: Yeah, I think I think volunteerism is is like one of these very interesting um, aspects of life, right? Like, I remember Back in two thousand and thirteen, fourteen, um, roughly at the time when like the idea of the Muslim vibe was kind of like being conceived and stuff. And kind of like one of the thoughts I had in my mind was what stops someone from elevating in their life beyond like their their current like, you know, five mile radius. Yeah, your comfort zone. You know? The the comfort zone and like kind of just like the familiarity of your like local environment and stuff, right? And one of the things that I had the opportunity for, Alhamdulillah, when I was younger, was uh, the opportunity to volunteer, but also to kind of get involved in projects that required me to get out of London and go to another country or, you know, so on and so forth. Right? And <clears throat> as, a, as a young person, that I think contributed like a lot of growth, um, to, like my mindset, yeah. but also to kind of give me an idea of like how big and vast the world actually yeah. is. Um and give me that kind of almost like motivation to kind of get out of um London and, and not just kind of be like trapped in a bubble of like you know being broken yeah. stuff you know
1: um, <laughs> well I think that it's such a good so, point because it's not just um you know everything that you said hundred percent, but I think it's even more important now because we have this generation of you know, and even myself, like you're stuck in your social media bubble and it's the primary point people get their news as well. I don't know what the, the like startling statistic is like 80 something percent of the news that you consume is from your social media feed. It probably is higher than that. But when you understand the algorithms and how it works, is that like the news that even you're seeing are news that reflects your view of the world, your values, your principles, your everything. Um, because they're all coming from your friends who are all Probably like you and think that the way that you do, and it's going in there. And so you actually don't mm. have a chance to break out of your bubble or even are challenged with different points of view to have an informed conversation or um, because we're protected. So now you're like physically in your environment because it's your comfort zone. But then digitally as well, you're kind of a prisoner of this like echo chamber of just similar views, opinions, people who are like you, people whose problems are all like yours. And when you break out into that, especially to volunteer with a humanitarian organization you see this world that's 20 miles away from you where there were literally lines Mm -hmm. of like for five hours people in line to get food during the pandemic and so i think now more than ever volunteering is really important we see a good mix of people it's not it's not just like muslim volunteers who come out and support our organization it's just people wanting to do something um with their time and do good so i think yeah it's really really critical for people to get involved in volunteerism
0: and obviously like one of the kind of side effects and obviously it's not the primary reason why I wanted to volunteer, but I feel like it's a really good way of, of like building that sense of community, right? Like building, making friends, you know, um, one of the organizations that, um, we co-founded a while back, um, who is Hussein, um, that had like volunteers around the world. Right. And off the back of that, we we were seeing like friendships forming. There was even a couple of marriages, I believe, you know, um, it's a
1: great organization it's just, it's, it's just a good vibe it's you know? amazing congratulations on that and i'm sorry that uh you stepped down i know that it was for good reason but mashallah they're they're well on their way <laughs> we're, we're huge fans and um but also yeah you know i think it's and also maybe selfishly if you have to think it's a good networking right if you're interested in getting into this 100%. kind of work <laughs> you know yeah. uh be bold come out bring
0: me. no it's true it's true it's like you know you can build skills and stuff like that i think like i remember um with with who is it saying obviously if you've got someone who is a lawyer and, and and they're volunteering their time and and you're just a student for example you know having having someone who's like you know a bit more advanced in their career and they actually become a lawyer for example just having that being in the same space together will elevate yeah, you you know yeah. Um, so I think it's definitely like a really really good and important kind of uh, initiative um, that people need to kind of uh, get more involved in I guess Um, I just wanted to kind of circle back on the the orphans campaign itself Um, so how does the Card Foundation go about like the process of um, identifying the areas where help is needed and and who these orphans are like what's the process behind that yeah
1: we have a full dedicated orphan care team um, in our programs department and we right now our orphan program is in 15 countries worldwide uh which is um our sponsorship program we help orphans throughout um the, the world but our representatives you know the sad reality is that there's like what 150 plus million orphans in the world. Most of them I would say a majority of them are from Muslim countries who are impacted uh, by wars and um, Countries invading them and creating more orphans and so where uh, we are is that when um, our field officers are in countries that are in great need, which means that they are in a development crisis. There's a lot of poverty. Um, there's a high rate of students in certain areas who are not attending school. We uh, go into those areas and we really um, survey. So it's people kind of hear that we're there or they know that we're there because we've been there for many years, you know, some 17 plus years. They come to us or we go to them and there's an application process just like any other one of our programs. So our field officer will go to the family, go and meet. Um, we consider an orphan, a child who has lost one or both parents or whose parents are um, uh, or whose parent could be missing. Because of a war or something, so not declare dead but missing, or we um, where the parent are in such fragile state of mind where they're disabled, handicapped, not able to care for their children, um, um, and severely just you know um, uh, poverty stricken. And so there's an application process, and uh, once you're selected, uh, as a, a sponsor is matched. And so alhamdulillah we have. Um, we don't have a lot of orphans waiting in our system. So we're constantly adding new orphans. And we were so excited because I'll go back to this, like when we changed the program, the first child who was sponsored in our system was a 17 year old boy from Niger. And it just is really, um, you know, rewarding because Based off of the data and the algorithm, the chances are that 17-year-old boy from Niger would have been waiting much longer in the system if we had relied on people mm-hmm. to pick through pictures or age, to use age as a filter, right? Somehow it's this thing where, oh, he doesn't need my help. He's almost an, uh, an adult. And so he was the first child to be sponsored as this new algorithm hit, um, hit in. But through that sponsorship, you then, the child gets... Um, food, it's, so it's $50 a month. So 50 Canadian or US dollars a month. And, um, with that comes food, healthcare, access to education, clothing, shelter. And when you think about for a moment, just like, how do we be thankful? Right? How do we, what do you, how easily can you spend $50 in a day or in a month? You know, you go to Target for some reason to pick up something silly.
0: No one knows why they go to Target. i've just i've moved to the u.s so just just a side note so i'm so sorry uh target is a place in in the u.s it's kind of like if you're in the uk consider it like tesco but like a much more friendlier place than tesco where you just kind of go there just to go there (laughs) so
1: and you get consumed by it and you go to pick up you know uh Diapers and you leave having spent hundred and twenty five dollars on things that you don't really at all need um, And then you pick up a coffee from Starbucks on your way out of the target and so um, $50 saves lives was the cat foundation literally it says some of these children are on the brink of just extreme poverty and um, so we do um quarterly reports. So we're we, we we check in on the child, we get like doctors reports and report cards and make sure that they're there's certain things they have to do, like they have to go to school if they're school age, they have to get their medical checkups if they do. Um and so alhamdulillah like it is a program that has been as a part of the CAT Foundation for um since its start, but officially for the last 17 years, and we're in fifteen countries and we just um I want my goal, my personal goal is for us to, in the next, you know, year to get 10,000 orphans sponsored through our, um, our system. And inshallah, I think it's something that can, you know, really be done. Uh, but we need people to, 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 to really give, make, make a difference in someone's life, you know, like save their life. And so our orphan care program is something near and dear to my heart. Probably like you, after having kids, it just made me look at things with a completely different lens.
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah no for sure like isn't it i just keep like whilst we're having this whole conversation about orphans and you just mentioned like for example like healthcare reports and stuff like this it just it just kind of it upsets me that you know we're we're in in this world that is so polarized where you know you can have so much excess on one end and and so little on the other end you know Um,
1: and the little is like you can't even describe how little and um For us, we don't have, um, we're a Muslim-run charity, but we support all faiths, people like humanity. It's above all else, that's one of our our big taglines that we use and it's something that I introduced when I started working at the organization because it really is humanity above all else. And you'll look at other organizations um secular or non but you know one of the the leading christian charities that is well known for their orphan care program they are not shy at all about saying that we're here to convert you know they they want to show the love of um You know their God and get these people who mostly are from Muslim countries right mostly from um, developing nations where their faith is not you know Christianity and this organization goes in and almost you know in not in these words but convert people so that they can get the care we don't do that ever we don't ask uh, what what is your faith we don't care if you're you know um, Muslim shia sunni christian jewish like it really is um a humanity and so it's a program that really i think deserves to be talked about more (laughs) i think that um you know when we look at ourselves and uh, we ask like how could this be happening in the world is really easy to just look at yourself and ask yourself like what am i doing to help this and if everybody thought that way and if you even if you used all of your 2.5% of your zakat right is that really the threshold is that really like you ask yourself you know if you're earning millions of dollars a year what impact can you make on the world and if everybody with that kind of wealth thought that way i think that we would be in a completely different world
0: one of the interesting things that like i reflected on um a while back was um in the quran essentially god kind of set down this framework right this kind of system which is that you know there's going to be rich people and there's going to be poor people and but the poor people are the responsibility of of the rich people um and obviously like when you go through like your teenage years you kind of toy with different um ideas of like society right so you'll kind of talk about marxism and communism and you know socialism and and, and capitalism and, and you kind of like toy with all these things and see where does it all fit in right um and then like for example when i started running my own business i realized that hold on a second there's there's some people that are always going to be like wealth generators i think they're the ones that have you know a gift that god's given mm-hmm. them to generate wealth right and 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 today, if you say if I said this on Twitter, I'll probably get cancelled, right? But you know, th- there is that element there, which is that you know God's given some people a talent, which is to create money, and that that's and He has not given me that talent. I wish He had given me that talent. Um, and so, but then, then it becomes this responsibility that okay, fine, you can generate wealth, but then you're you know re- you're responsible to share that wealth with mm-hmm. others. And I feel like you know it's it kind of annoys me so much that y- you you can even see Muslims oppose this idea right when they become wealthy right they, they, they oppose this idea that why should i or even like you know taxes for example and zakat so is a form of tax technically yeah. it's like why should i support someone else um who, who's not working hard as me mm-hmm. you know and and there's this kind of like there's this kind of like confusion almost that you know because of a privilege that god has given you and and to be fair like a big part of his chance and mm-hmm. and you know, just random luck sometimes. Mm-hmm. That somehow your wealth is yeah. yours, and that like someone else who perhaps hasn't had the same opportunities in life as you, simply by being born in a different
1: yeah.
0: zip code or even a different country. That somehow they they they're responsible for that, yeah. you know. Um, and it just it just it just frustrates it's me. Really, fair, it's not really a question. There, it's no, just, a, me just sharing a frustration. I
1: mean, you know, I think a lot of people. Uh, hope, I hope a lot of people reflect on that. And as you're saying that, you know, um, I would I would beg any you know, wealth generator, as you put it, um, who's been blessed with this to go and find somebody who is in extreme poverty, who doesn't work harder than them. Not mm-hmm. going to school and spending six hours a day searching for clean water on the heads of teenage or younger girls um, is hard work. And that's a survival. That's not even money, right? These, um, mothers and fathers who are breaking bricks in India to make pennies a day. Um, that's hard work. They're working hard. (laughs) And even in America, we don't have to make, take it far. You know, um, that mom who is working two shifts and doesn't have childcare and has her kids sitting in the back while she's, these are not scenes that we see in movies. This is reality this is people's lives and to Mm -hmm. think that you can shrug that responsibility and maybe you call me a socialist or it's a canadian me (laughs) i don't know what it is but um it's just not right you know it's um we can't just shrug that gross responsibility that we have as humans as um it's just this connection i think that we've lost to one another to see each other as equals as people as human as same problems and joys and hopes i mean um what mother doesn't want their children to have all of the things that we're able to give to our kids or you know someone who is you know more blessed than we are able to give to their kids and i just don't know either you're just like a really bad human being or you've lost that ability to have this human connection or it is business over morals right um it's a sad you know state but i hope that people like us inshallah inshallah um can teach our children and lead by example and create a generation of um you know we get a lot of the younger generations gets hit with entitled privileged um but also maybe a little bit more socially and morally conscious
0: yeah i definitely think that is like an emerging trend amongst millennials and probably even like the, the gen z type um You mentioned about, like, you're talking about, like, situations a bit more closer to home. Um, One of the things that's, I guess, bothered me a lot about Muslim charities is that a lot of the work seems to be focused, you know, in the Mm -hmm. Middle East, uh, in Africa, um, Southeast Southeast Asia and stuff. Um, Whereas when I leave my house and I'm driving down the freeway and, you know, or I'm walking the streets, i see poverty up close here right and i feel like we're not doing enough work to to help as a muslim community in the places that we're actually living in yeah. is that something zakat foundation is aware of do you guys is that something you guys do do you do like local yeah, work yeah
1: it's really um a good question um you know even in islam right the duty the duty you have to your neighbor and to your community, right? To give, even like, you know, um, and the Qurbani and, you know, where you're supposed to give it. There's a big emphasis on this in our faith. And it would be wrong of us as an organization to say that we're a Muslim run in charity and to ignore that, you know, um, that national need that we have. For sure, 100% since the start of our organization, we have been active in local communities uh, and communities that are not Muslim communities, you know? You uh, know, it's still a big part of the work that we do. In the pandemic, um, I think the stat is like th- three to four million pounds of food we distributed um, mostly in um, the Midwest. You know, We had an amazing program where we worked with local farmers whose crops were going bad because of the store shutdowns and all that and getting, mm-hmm. securing that. And then having food boxes, nutritional food boxes prepared and handing them out for hours and hours and hours and the line in some areas you know never ended we have our our work that we do through our food security that is in the us is a place that we find that we can make the biggest easiest impact we also have like back to school a lot of programs focused on on kids and getting them uh the tools that they need to succeed we have invested in um so, uh, Khalil Center is a project of Zakat Foundation. I'm not sure if your listeners are, you know, familiar with Khalil Center or not, but it's KhalilCenter.org. They are, um, one of the first and a leader in integrating, um, uh, Islamic, Islamically integrated therapy. And, uh, Zakat Foundation was a big part in bringing Khalil Center to the masses. And so they provide mental health, uh, support through licensed, you know, therapists mm-hmm. who bring in the Islamic um knowledge so they have that scholarship and the Western kind of um, you know, psychiatric, psychiatry, um therapy uh accreditations as well. And that's a big way that we give back to to the local community as well. Um there are events like right now for Martin Luther King um Junior Day, we are having food distributions through throughout the country. It's important for sure. But I think it would also be amiss if we didn't you know, call, like I had said a few times before, is that the extreme, extreme poverty in the, the places that we work um, is, is is life or death. And it is here too, in some cases, for sure. But it's really critical for us to keep our international work strong. Um, and there is this little bit of people having a connection to their hometown and where they're from. And, you know, I made it out or I have succeeded, but the people in my village are still, you know, going through that. The last thing I'll say about our programs is that we do have something called a signature project. And so, for any donor who's wanting to do something special or different in their local community, you can get to our signature project, fill in an application, tell us what you wanna do. And it can be in you know New York City, or it could be in um, you know Lahore, Punjab. And so we, we, we will always have a presence in the US and we will always continue to do the work here. But yes, majority of our work is done internationally, but it's never going to stop here locally.
0: No, I'm glad to hear that. And inshallah, like, the, the only reason why like I, I bring that up was because I know, I almost feel like a trend that I've seen amongst younger Muslims is this question, right? Like, is in, okay, but what are we doing for... Because there's, you know, like how me and you, well, me, you, you're a second-generation um, migrant. I'm, I'm a third-generation migrant, right? And so, as obviously these cycles of generation, you know, evolve... The, the less we're going to feel attached to back home, whatever yeah. that means. Like, for example, I feel way less attached to back home mm-hmm. um, than the average, you know, Pakistani, right? Because I firstly, I don't have that much family there, but secondly, like, you know, the Western culture and values is, is something that I'm like deeply immersed yeah. in, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one of the questions that I've had and one of the concerns is like, okay, what are we doing for like the local people here? And that's why I thought I'd mention that, but I'm glad to know that um, zakat foundation is active on the yeah. ground here. and we have and, some and inshallah that continues Inshallah,
1: to like we have some amazing partnerships with local national organizations like uh, right now we're getting ready to do a year-long partnership with the ronald mcdonald house in north carolina and um mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of organizations we try actually to seek out partners who are not you know uh, muslim organizations because we do feel that um Part of us paying it forward and being here in um, the U.S. is to help, you know, people who are in our communities.
0: Amazing. Um, Amna, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, I really, really hope that, you know, this project and this campaign for the orphan sponsorship continues Mm -hmm. to grow. Uh, We'll be sharing the link for that uh, down below um there's like i said there's a very interesting campaign video so i'm going to share a link specifically just to that as well i'll d- urge all of our listeners to check out that video uh because it's it's extremely well made but it's extremely like thought-provoking and and this what struck out to me uh, the most about Thank it you. um how can people find you where's the best place for people to connect with yeah. you
1: yeah Um, I would love if folks could just um, follow us on uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook. It's at ZakatUS. My email is amna at uh, zakat.org, A-M-N-A. I probably should make my social accounts not private. It's it's a weird thing for a marketer to be so private. (laughs) But um, I'll leave the glory to God. (laughs) but
0: it it makes sense as well actually because because when you do social media day in day out the last thing you want is to manage your own social media account absolutely my my personal yeah
1: maybe i bring the muslim vibe to help me uh, manage my social my social footprint but uh, (laughs) until then i'm so thankful for the time i enjoyed our conversation it's been my
0: absolute pleasure Uh, inshallah
1: it um, resonates with your listeners and uh, we can continue doing using our superpowers for good
0: for sure for sure thank you very much assalamu (laughs) alaikum so that was our conversation with amna from zakat foundation i hope you guys found that conversation enjoyable and beneficial Um, i'm going to leave a link in the description below for all the various things that we mentioned getting involved with the campaign um, the campaign video itself and also the job roles that she mentioned because the Zakat Foundation are looking for um, someone uh, two people actually from the marketing department. So if you're interested, uh, definitely uh, check that out and uh, apply uh, below. Um, Guys, if you've made it this far, thank you so much. I really, really do appreciate you guys listening uh, all the way. Um, If I could ask you kindly to make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, leave a like, comment, all of that stuff. Uh, We are at the mercy of the algorithms so i know these things can sound a bit repetitive and a bit jarring and i hate doing it every week but it does make a big difference um yeah i mean that's pretty much it for myself i do have a new sign out um that i want to test out it's actually i'm gonna borrow this from a friend of mine so uh Feek, see you next week